Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bowe talk about Gnosticism and how that has impacted the Christian faith. Welcome to episode four of Being Lutheran. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And uh, as you have been listening along, we have been talking about false teaching. All right. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Yeah, yes! All right. Um, and uh, as we've been talking about false teaching, we've been really, in, in our last episode, we were talking about that in general, uh, just about how uh, true teaching is a response to false teaching that crops up or that pops up. And so we're going to start to dive into the actual uh, Book of Concord. Uh, should we maybe give a, just a brief intro to the Book of Concord, Jason, of what what that is, and maybe some of maybe our AFLC listeners maybe not maybe maybe not used to using that uh, term or description. Yeah, absolutely. So the Book of Concord was assembled mostly between 1578 to 1580. I think the final edition of the Book of Concord was published in 1580, uh, and is published by the Lutherans who had received their teaching from Luther. And so the final Book of Concord, as uh, the Lutherans put it together, consists of 10 separate documents that state uh, our faith positively Mm -hmm. of what we believe from Scripture and also our faith over and against error. Uh, So the first three parts of the Book of Concord are the three ecumenical creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed. Now, I'm going to go in order of usefulness. This is not the order of uh, how they're listed in the Book of Concord, mm-hmm. but, but the general order that I teach it in. After those three, laying out the basics of the Christian faith, you have Luther's two catechisms. The small catechism, which if you're Lutheran listening to it, this is what you memorized in confirmation. Mm-hmm. The, the goal of... This uh, is most certainly true. Yeah, this is most certainly true, right? We should fear and love God, so that, right? The, those sorts of things. The large catechism is kind of the commentary on the small catechism. Uh, the, the, the small catechism is for families to teach the faith to their children. The large catechism is for pastors to teach the faith to their parishioners. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the next two documents. Then you have the very first official Lutheran document in history that showed up, and that's the Augsburg Confession, mm-hmm. delivered at the Diet of Augsburg in June 25th, 1530, mm-hmm. uh, to Prince to Emperor Charles, Prince Charles at the same time, <laughs> the fifth, uh, when all of this Lutheran business had been bubbling for a little bit more than a decade. Finally, the Roman Catholic said, you guys got to get here, got to tell us what you believe, we got to figure out what's going on in the world. So the Lutherans... Uh, Luther was in hiding for fear of the the Roman Catholic Church at this point, so his uh, cohort, his colleague Philip Melanchthon, uh, and others put together the Augsburg Confession that was delivered to the Roman Catholics. The Roman Catholics refuted it. They rejected it with a document called the Roman Confutation. So the next document in the Book of Concord is called the Apology mm-hmm. to the Augsburg Confession. That is a defense. Now, we're not apologizing for the Augsburg Confession. We're, we're defending uh, the Augsburg Confession from the rejection of the Roman Catholics. And so uh, the apology more or less matches the Augsburg Confession article for article, and it's just another expansion on that. So that's essentially the first half or so of the Book of Concord. Uh, the four documents left in the Book of Concord are uh, the small called articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of Luther's version 
of the uh, Augsburg Confession. It's the basics of the faith given to a specific group of people at a specific time in history. Uh, tacked on to the end of the small called articles is Melanchthon's work, The Treaty on the Power and Primacy of the Pope. And then the final two documents, again, interrelated, are the Formula of Concord. You have the Epitome, which is the succinct summary, mm-hmm. uh, and that was written uh, towards the, the culmination of the Book of Concord, 1578. And you have the Solid Declaration, uh, which is the long sort of explanation of the Epitome, uh, again, matching article for article. Just one is in short, quickly readable form, and one is in much longer uh, explanatory form. That's the whole Book of Concord. Right. Yeah, and uh, I would encourage you, listener, if you haven't read the Book of Concord, to go ahead and read that. And Jason, you and I both have used a, a good reading plan that's out there that breaks it down into little bite-sized uh, pieces day by day. Yep. And uh, it, it can be an intimidating book that you you look at and you say, you know, wow, this is a. a if you look at a physical copy, it's it's about the size of a regular Bible, right? Yeah. Would you say so? Roughly 700 pages yeah. long. And again, what you're alluding to, I, I could not recommend highly enough. If you want to start immersing yourself in this teaching just for the purpose of exploration, bookofconcord.org. Mm-hmm. You can su- subscribe by email uh, or to their Twitter feed, and you will get daily roughly two-page readings Mm -hmm. in the Book of Concord only on weekdays, so Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this every year now for the last seven years, Mm -hmm. I think, or so, that I've been doing this. Um, It's kind of an unfortunate time of year right now to kind of do that. We're recording this uh, at the beginning of November, so you're jumping right into the middle of a discussion on the formula of Concord, which is at the very end of the Book of Concord. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a New Year's resolution, it resets Mm-hmm. Uh, at the new year, and then yep. you'd be starting with the three creeds, and then it does. It, it follows the pattern that I just talked about. It does the creeds, does the catechisms, it does the Augsburg Confession and Apology, and then so on and so forth down there. It's a great, uh, easy way to start in, in digestible chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so while the, the bigger Book of Concord is uh, focused on being Lutheran, right, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first documents, and we're going to start to talk about that today, are the ecumenical creeds. And ecumenical, what does that mean? That's a, one of those 25-cent words yeah. that uh, we use in, in Christian life. What does that mean? The ecumenical means it's universal uh, for the entire church, regardless of denomination. That uh, mm-hmm. At the basis, to be a Christian, you are agreeing to the theology presented in these three creeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so today, the being part of the church, you are connected to not just to the Lutheran Reformation, but you're going, all, you're tracing your roots all the way back to uh, those earliest days of the church. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, which is what we're going to be starting with, uh, likely not written by the apostles, but the various, the very earliest instance we have of the Apostles' Creed in history is the second century. So you're talking about the 100s when it appeared as a baptismal confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the great advantages to Christianity is it's such a historical faith in that you are united across denominational lines by faith in Christ mm-hmm. with Christians uh, in Alabama and Alaska and California, but also with Christians in Iran and China and Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. But you are united in faith uh, with Christians from the first century, from the yeah. fourth century, from the 18th century, you know, all the way to present time. Yeah, that, and that's wonderful to think about that uh, God has knit us together across all those uh, places and time. And so as we, 
as we start to look into this a little more, uh, let's define a couple of more words, Jason. I, I, we're kind of playing dictionary here. You're, <laughs> uh, you're, you're better than dictionary.com, uh, Jason, to ask you all these uh, good terms. I'd like to apologize to the people who put together dictionary.com for that sort of insult. Yeah. Um, well, good. the key here, uh, because especially the Apostles' Creed is repeated in Luther's catechisms, uh, where it really unpacks the truth of the Apostles' Creed, we're going to be looking for uh, really the how the creeds stand against false teaching, and especially how the creeds stand against heresy. Right. So go. on the one hand, we're defining heresy, which uh, Michael Horton, a yeah. Reformed theologian, defines as any teaching that directly contradicts the clear and direct witness of the scriptures on a point of salvific importance. That means uh, heresy affects salvation. Right. Uh, if you're a heretic, you are out of bounds as far as uh, salvation is concerned. Right. So if you're you're teaching something that affects your salvation, and uh, that's that's being a, that's a heretical teaching. Yes, absolutely. And and you know the, the, there's a lot of flux in the terms false teaching uh, and, mm-hmm. and and error and things like that. But heresy is the strongest form of false teaching because mm-hmm. it affects salvation. Right. And over and against heresy, then the good side of the spectrum, you have orthodoxy. And uh, <gasps> yeah, if, if ecumenicism and ecumenical is a 25 cent word, uh, orthodoxy is like a naughty word. <laughs> you know, it's uh, if you're orthodox in society today, you are praised for being unorthodox, for being mm-hmm. out of the box. But what we are looking at for orthodoxy is uh, truth as communicated from Scripture. Mm -hmm. Uh, So orthodoxy is the declaration of truth from Scripture. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're not orthodox, you're either a heretic or you're heterodox, that you have some mixture of truth and falsehood. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we could get into that and talk forever about that sort of thing, but that's kind of what's at stake here. Sure, and so I suppose you could kind of think about this in terms of the churches in your area. If you think about uh, the churches around you, are they teaching heresy? Are they teaching true teaching in parts, but kind of a mixture of true and false? And they might be more of a, what did you say, heterodox? Um, And uh, think through in that way. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's name names here just to give (laughs) examples. And and I'll be the one, I'm protecting your reputation, Brett. Thank you. This will be all on me. So uh, a heretical church, quote okay. unquote church, uh, the Mormons right. and the Jehovah's Witnesses are out of bounds. Well, obviously, first of all, you have false religions. So, mm-hmm. so Muslims, Buddhists, right. uh, almost said Baptists, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip there. Uh, false religions are absolutely out of bounds. It's not even in the realm of heresy because they're not disguising themselves as Christian. Right. But heresy would be Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses that deny either the divinity of Christ or the humanity of Christ and deny the way of salvation by the saving blood of Christ shed for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what we would call heterodox Yeah. Uh, are just simply acknowledging that we disagree with things. So in the Lutheran mind, Baptists mm-hmm. are heterodox. And guess what? In the Baptist mind, Lutherans are heterodox. Uh, so you take a Baptist, we disagree with Baptists on the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and more often than not, as you compare Lutherans to other 
uh, Christian denominations and, and talk about our differences, it's going to be on the sacraments. There are some mm-hmm. other key distinctions like the function of the church, the role of the Holy Spirit. We agree with the assemblies of God or disagree with the assemblies of God on, on the expression of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the label of heterodoxy means is that we disagree with you on something and that that disagreement matters. Mm-hmm. And to remember that uh, there are people who disagree with Lutherans. Mm-hmm. You know, Calvinists uh, reject Lutheran notions of uh, certain expressions, and we don't have to get into all of that. Sure. But that's again, what's at stake here? Right. And and coming back to this, we we really want you as a listener to to have firm convictions, and hopefully by listening that uh, you join us in in helping us uh, shore up and and have really solid convictions on what is true and uh, being content with that. And even if you're listening and disagree with that us on something, disagree with Lutheran theology on a point, uh, yeah. insofar that you find us entertaining and worth listening to, uh, use those disagreements to sharpen what you believe. Right. Uh, uh, there are a couple areas of my personal confession uh, that I have clarified because of hearing teaching from someone I disagree with mm-hmm. that helped me understand, well, this is why I believe it this way. Uh, and so it's useful for that too. Yeah, excellent. So let's start talking about uh, this big, nasty, I almost said gnarly term, Gnosticism. Oh, gnarly I gotta, Gnosticism. I got to have a, a, GN. a silent G in, yeah. in, in there. Well done, Pastor. Yeah. Uh, so what we're looking at first is we, the, the Apostles' Creed as the most basic confession of faith that we have. We are first going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed as standing against the heresy of Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gnosticism is not a definable mm-hmm. false teaching. It's not, uh, it's not Mormonism. Right. It's not uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Gnosticism shows up in many ways, shapes, or forms. Uh, right. But most often what you're dealing with is uh, what is called the dichotomy of soul and body. And, mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is that a Gnostic believes that everything spiritual is good and mm-hmm. pure and everything physical is bad and evil. And that affected certain points of their theology, uh, that they had to believe in the dual God, that the evil God, the evil creator God of the Old Testament uh, created the world with sin mm-hmm. and that the good spiritual God represented by Christ of the New Testament uh, emphasized the spiritual virtues. And so Gnosticism involves uh, kind of a confession that our physical bodies are worthless mm-hmm. uh, and are evil, uh, and that our spirits is what we want to focus on, the goodness pouring out of that. Um, Gnosticism de- denies in some ways, shapes, and forms that Christ was a physical person, that he was a spiritual being and only a spiritual being, so that if you look at the person of Jesus, uh, what ends up happening is that he was possessed by the Spirit of Christ, and then before he died, the Spirit of Christ left him. That's showing up in some Gnostic um, teachings. Mm-hmm. And the other main teaching of Gnosticism is a hidden, secret directly revealed by God knowledge. And and that's what kind of takes our spiritual lives to the next level. Yeah. And so you're saying that you're not necessarily going to find first Gnostic church of Minneapolis out there. Well, maybe you should have checked. It probably is somewhere, but they would be misunderstanding what Gnosticism really is because even, uh, 
at the end of the, the, the writing of scripture, the close of the canon in the first century, Gnostics were starting to show up. They're really prevalent in the second and third century, and none of them agreed with each other. It was never a unified movement. Mm-hmm. It never had a spearhead of a figure mm-hmm. uh, like some of the other heresies we'll be talking about. Uh, but, but Gnosticism, what we're really looking at is spirit good, physical bad, and secret knowledge. And, and you know, kind of as we wrap up... Uh, the acknowledgement that the Apostles' Creed is still valuable for today, in mm-hmm. part because Gnosticism is rampant in the world around us today. Okay, yeah. And it, where where do you see Gnosticism uh, expressed today in modern day? Well, the the biggest area in the world around us is on hedonism. Uh, that Gnosticism is best represented by because our bodies are worthless. Mm-hmm. Let's just do pleasure all of the time. Uh, because that's not really what defines who we are. Uh, and so uh, you see that in the church with the rejection of the law, that mm-hmm. Christians can live in whatever quote-unquote Christian freedom they want to mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't matter anymore. The, the spirit is what matters. Uh, it, it slides in slyly in the back door mm-hmm. uh, because most churches today, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, carry this notion that heaven is nothing more than this ethereal spiritual existence and a, a denial of the physical mm-hmm. resurrection in the, uh, uh, the the physical nature of eternity. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that we'll have new bodies. Yeah, exactly. New bodies, a new creation, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you, you see this uh, Gnosticism is... Uh, expressed in the idea that I'm spiritual but not religious okay. and that it's this kind of emotional meditative uh, relationship with some generic force in the universe in fact the force of Star Wars <laughs> is gnostic right you know at its very core uh, and also uh, especially in the world around us again uh, Jesus as information giver instead of savior okay uh, so you have Jesus as example. Uh, the ascetic Jesus that mm-hmm. denies the physical life uh, and in self-sacrifice for the purpose of spiritual improvement uh, is one. And then uh, where the world clings to Jesus as he's just a good moral teacher, you know, mm-hmm. peace, love, and rock and roll kind of thing. Again, let's just all get along and love one another. This is where you see Gnosticism rear its ugly head in the world around us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, is there any other way that you see... Gnosticism coming out. The other big one, and this is a sensitive one, uh, is uh, what Luther label later labels in the Book of Concord as enthusiasm. Now, this mm-hmm. isn't being eager to do something. Enthusiasm is referring to the direct revelation of God to you personally, mm-hmm. uh, and this is all over the place in the Christian Church. Sure. Uh, and Christian bookstores. Christian bookstores. Yeah. Uh, televangelists, uh, and, and what this ends up looking like is that God speaks to you directly, and this is in addition to what Scripture has said. So God uh, is able absolutely to lead us and guide us by his Spirit, but we would confess that never ever disagrees with Scripture. And where it shows up in the church is that you now have this new revelation uh, from God, that he has told you something new. In the liberal churches, it's new revelations about sexuality mm-hmm. that show up. Yeah. In our personal lives, uh, mm-hmm. enthusiasm, I believe God has told me to do this. Sure. Uh, those sorts of things. And all of this is going to get unpacked more at several points as we as we yeah. work through the Book of Concord. Uh, but that, you know, direct revelation from God is Gnosticism, and that ends up as heresy. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, and so uh, thank you for listening today as we've uh, started to uh, look at uh, a specific false teaching as the Book of Concord and really uh, looking at the ecumenical creeds and uh, thinking of how uh, the the false teaching of Gnosticism was uh, attacked by the, the true teaching of uh, God's Word. And so thank you for listening. Jason, any closing thoughts today? Yeah, and as we ponder this, just the last encouragement is to remember that Scripture tells us that Satan hides himself as an angel of light. He disguises himself as an angel of light. And so uh, we want to be aware that a lot of these false teachings and heresies in the church appear as attractive, appear as doing something positive, but it's the danger of what these can lead to that we're really going to be calling out as we look of the truth of Scripture as presented in the Apostles' Creed. Yes, wonderful. So, Jason, if, if people want to uh, learn more, what's the website where they can go? Well, the website is beinglutheran.com. If you want uh, feedback for us, it's beinglutheranpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us on Being Lutheran. Please tune in to our next episode where Pastor Jason and Pastor Brett continue their discussion on the biblical theology of the Lutheran confessions and their importance to the body of Christ. <laughs>